On today's episode, Dave interviews Steve Carell. Steve starred in The Office, 40-Year-Old Virgin, Anchorman and Anchorman 2, Crazy Stupid Love. Steve is a Golden Globe winner, but he got his start at Chicago's second city with ADD host Dave Rizowski. This episode is a lot like listening to two old friends talk because, well, it is. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. Every show I do is a rehearsal because you're never done. Right. I love that. Well, that's the joy of it, I think. It's right. not, it's never, even when, when we would do shows at Second City, they were always works in progress. Right. Even like well into the run of Second City, things would be changing. We'd find stuff three months in. You remember, like remember we would that. find jokes that like out of the blue, somebody would just try something. And it could also be, but sometimes those jokes weren't, it was just you. You misspoke a word one day, right? And it landed. Yeah, it just. Landed. Or you took a. Or you took a pause where you had never taken one before, and that changed the dynamic of the scene completely. And you find that to me is what's what was so exciting about it is that you were always and and what I loved about the people at Second City is they they were always trying new stuff right. and throwing things in right. not not because they were bored but because it was it was a living thing you know it, it was always changing no oh, it's such a living thing and it's so interesting that you say that because I, I remember when we would be working on a show it was sort of like giving birth and things things were painful and every once in a while you'd hit a scene that would that would just fly out of the womb. right but but they were painful, and then they would. A director would say, "We're gonna, we're gonna do this. We're gonna work on this. We're gonna." And and and, and the the scene was wobbling around like a toddler. And then after a while, it got its legs. And then after a while, it became an adolescent and was kind of like punchy and all that shit. And then it started to go get middle age, where it'd get tired, right. and you just want to put it down, right? Like us right now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm very tired, and I think I need to be. Put I down. think I need to be put on a mountaintop. <laughs> done. <laughs> just be done. I'm just fucking done. I'm done. And, and and so you look at a scene like Maya that we did at Second City. God, that was fun to do again. It was you crazy. were so funny. I mean, we hadn't done that scene in how many years? Well, that was uh, that was my fiftieth year, so that was two thousand and nine. When did you leave Second City? Ninety nine. Jesus Christ. Ninety eight, something like that. So we hadn't done that scene in at least eleven years. Yeah. Um. And it was it felt exactly the same. That's what was so that going back for that reunion was so much more than I'd anticipated in every sense. I, I it was more emotional, it was more fun, it was more um, rewarding and gratifying, and uh, to reconnect with that world and those people was um, kind of life changing. I mean, it it really. I've thought a lot about it since then, about like where where it started for us and where you know what kind of helped form how we think about it. Because you know us just talking right now, we're completely on the same page in terms of what it is and and how you go about it, and that's the stuff we learned in classes there and doing shows there. Do you remember us getting fired? Yes. Oh my gosh. I vividly. I do too. So you tell the story because I think I've told the story before. Um, we we were doing a show with Michael Gelman right. at the Organic Theater. Seed show. The Seed show. It was a it was a sort of a hybrid scripted. Um, it was a Gelman thing. It was a Gelman thing, and um, and we were both working on that. 
And I was actually applying to, we had auditioned for the Second City Touring Company. Right. I, we had, neither of us had heard anything. Um, he let me know that I had, and he was a director of, of one of the touring companies at, at that point. I was applying to Yale Drama School for some reason, because I didn't know <laughs> if it was going to happen at Chicago. How far did you get into that? Um, I just, I just, I was getting, I was filling out the application uh -huh. and I had him write me a, a recommendation. Uh -huh. And in his recommendation, he said some nice things and he finished it by saying, um, and as a matter of fact, we've just hired Steve to be one of the newest members of the touring company. And that's the first I'd heard of it. And I thought, what, this is fantastic. And then I don't know how you got the word. I got that, the word, I think from something like that as well. Yeah. Um, that he, you know, he let us to believe at least that we had been hired as understudies for the touring company. So you and I took it upon ourselves. Of course, we'd heard from no no other source. <laughs> so so I thought, let's take the bull by the horn. So we started going and sitting in on touring company rehearsals until the touring company, I don't know how many we went to. We showed up a few times. A few times. Uh, do you remember Joyce walking through the theater? I remember Joyce walking through the theater, yeah. staring at us and going, hmm. Right. And then walking away. Clocking that we were there. Um, she, she asked Wendell, who is, who is the stage manager for that touring company, who are those guys? Um, and he said, well, apparently they've just been hired. And she said, no, that's not the case. I never hired them. Tell them to not come back here anymore. And so Wendell had to kind of give us the bad it, news. It was like 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, it was a weekday, I believe. Maybe it's a weekend. And I remember walking in there and both of us really excited, like, here we go. I think, I have, do you remember that? Yeah. Walking and going, here we go. And then he said, I'd fire you. Essentially, I'd fire you, but you were never hired. Uh, it, was a, it was a shattering moment. I, I, will, I will never forget how devastating, not only that, we hadn't been hired, but I felt like even an opportunity to now get hired had been lost because we'd somehow uh, like made a bad uh, sort of um, bad showing of it or, or I felt that it was Kafka-esque in that it was really very it was very odd. I remember thinking that same thing like we just blew it. We were, this we, yeah. were, we were we were led into this situation and by nothing that we did other than right what we're doing. It was just a mistake. It was just a mixed signals and right. And we were very earnest, but, but I think, uh, misguided and, and ill-informed. Well, we well, we were ill-informed, misguided. We weren't misguided. We were misguided. We were, I don't know how to say this. Yes. We were guided wrongly. <laughs> we were wrongly guided. Exactly. We weren't misguided. We were no, we guided. were, we were very earnest and, right. and, uh, we were guided. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, but, but I remember you and I were like, what are, what are we going to do? What? I, this is horrible. It's like, it's why we're in Chicago. Right, right. And so I wrote a letter to Joyce. Yeah, I remember talking about it on the phone. I remember standing in my kitchen and you saying, and you reading the letter to me that you wrote. Which I might have kept somewhere. Oh my I God. I might have kept a copy of it somewhere. Uh-huh. Um, and and I'd apologized and said, you know, we we had no idea. Just explained, just pled our case and said, and not it was not uh, to try to get us back in, but to say we we're sorry. We we know how disconcerting it must be to see people who claim to be employees of yours who aren't, um, and uh, 
that being said, you know, we've studied the shows, we know them. And if it, if you're, you're ever, you know, if there's ever an interest on your end, you know, please let us know. But, but I, I really took a very, um, uh, non-aggressive stance yes, with I, her. I do remember that. And I, it, because I, I feel badly for her too, because I can imagine how terrible, how weird that must be. You, we were clearly contrite, and I think we we're also saying this is just totally. Uh, this is a situation where, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm, we didn't. We weren't trying to push it. We weren't no. trying to be jerks. No. Um, we just we were led to believe something that was other than what was the truth, and uh, and so apparently she, I don't know who she talked to at that point, maybe Machalski. Jeff Machalski, or, I think it was Jeff Machalski. And I remember getting a call. I might have been back in Boston visiting my parents mm -hmm. that they wanted us to do the improv set with the touring company yes. on a Monday night. Yes. And so that ended up being our audition. Yes. And I think we both had a pretty good night that night. I, I remember that clearly. I remember clearly getting up and saying, this is the first time I've been on this stage and how am I doing? And the audience going, it's great. And I'm going, that fucking rocks. It, it was so... And to, and to have the support of that touring company, too. Exactly. They were very cool. Right. And I think they all heard the story. Right. So they knew that we weren't, you know, we weren't trying to push anything. It was not, um, they, they were just great about it. And I, I loved it. I just, I, I love that experience. I love that that happened to us. I love that we, the, I love the letter that you wrote, you know. It was just, and to be contrite about that and to go, look, and how does that, how does that play out for you in, in the way in the business that you're doing now, you know what I mean? Like, like what what lesson did you learn from that? Um, I've just never been a very aggressive person, and I, I do I think, you know, a lot of times people say that you know the the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Right. I just don't I don't ascribe to that. I, and it works for some people, but it's not that's not how I, it's not natural to me. Right. And I would rather not be aggressive to to get what I either what I want or what I you know aspire to right um, I think it's always better to let it come to you and to um, to work hard you know I remember at Second City you and I we worked hard I mean it was a lot of fun but we never phoned it in we never, every night was like a gift that we were there. Because I think in part because of what we experienced getting into Second City. Mm -hmm. So we appreciated every second of the time right. that we got to be on a stage there. And I, That's I, really true. And I feel that way career-wise, too, because, I mean, it's, it's just such a luck of the draw thing. Right. And if you're afforded an opportunity to do stuff, then don't phone it in. Just mm -hmm. don't do it. Right. If, or if stop you're... it when you stop it when you're stop it right before you get to the point where you go, I think I'm gonna start phoning it in. Right. Don't do it. Right. Like it's not I mean, there are plenty of people who can do it as well as you right. who want to do it. Um be the person who wants to do it the most. Interesting. Did you feel that when you left the office that it was an evolution for you? Where you, you evolved out of that? I've done that kind of thing a few times. Like what thing? Leaving something that is a great gig and opening yourself up to abject failure. 
Because seriously, at Second City, right. it was exactly that. Right. I mean, we were on main stage. Right. We it was the best gig in the world. Man alive! I remember laughing hysterically so much all the time. So much all the time. But I remember coming into a scene that you and Franny were doing, where uh, the bachelor party scene. Oh yeah. And you were how drunk, and that last day we were there, I remember having a mouthful of crackers and and Jardinere and all that, and just getting sick all over it, and you laughing so hard that you couldn't stop crying. That, oh well, that's what I mean. That's what the there was just complete joy, right? With doing that, complete joy. But then to leave it, then to just say, okay, I I have nothing really to move on to, but I'm going to move on. But you did, didn't you? And was it just you? You and and Steve and Colbert moved on to Dana Carvey, right? I didn't get that till like a couple of years later. Where did you go when you left Second City? I did a play at Goodman right. for a little while. What was that play? With Dave Pasquese. Um, it was called Sin. Uh-huh. And then that moved to New York for a few months too. And you did that? And, I, and I moved to New York because... A Broadway? Uh, Off-Broadway. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and because um, my wife Nancy had just gotten Saturday Night Live. So right. it coincided with our move to New York anyway. That, man. But I didn't have... But it was the same thing with The Daily Show. I left... I had a great, great gig there, and I left just because I thought it's time. What happens? How does that? How does that? Uh, so it's sort of like the the thing in a in a turkey where it pops out and you go now. When do you know to pull the trigger? I don't know. I I just um, because I wasn't feeling I wasn't feeling bored. I wasn't feeling a- antsy, or I I think you know what it was. I was feeling comfortable. Right, and I think when it gets to that point, maybe maybe you don't. I don't know. I don't know if comfort is necessarily a good thing. I think to ha- to be to be a little bit um, scared, right, and a little challenged, and a little um, at odds with right. yourself, uh, 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 imbalance. I think so. I think that helps because. Then you have to figure out where the balance is. Then you have right. to figure out how you're going to do something. Because I didn't, after the Daily Show, it was like, well, getting into the Daily Show, that, that, there's no training you can have to do a show like that. <laughs> because what is it? It's like you're not really acting, but you kind of are. Right, exactly. You're improvising, and you're also sort of being a correspondent, which I wasn't. So it was, <laughs> it was all of these, it was a hybrid of so many different, um, skills, but few of which I actually had. Um, but you were, but you also trusted that you were going to get those skills, or, or right. it wasn't even not well, a lot of trust. It's like you're interested in it, and it's like you continue to be interested in it. And I wanted a job, and, and Colbert was there, right? And he he's the one who said, "Well, he got me the job." Essentially, he right. he told the the executive producers, "You should take a look at this guy," and yeah. and he talked me through it. You know, he he was really great. You, but it, your parents like were very supportive of you and your career. Yeah. And, and, and this isn't a non sequitur. It all has to do with that. The idea of, of you having a life that said, what is it that you want to do and let's do it? What is it that you want to do and how can we go about helping you do that? Is that, is that, that's is essentially that, it. Essentially it. And, and, and so because of that, there's a confidence that you get in the world where, where, I think when the world's coming at you, you have a strong foundation. Not that you're uh, you're crazy. You know, not that you're insane. Going, I can do anything. I can lift this car. I can eat this house. But the idea that you go, you know what? That foundation of saying it's going to work out. I'm going to be. I'm going to be supported because of the support that you had growing up. 
Yes, I think that's that's hugely important. At least it takes that element of fear out of it mm-hmm. that you're not letting someone down in pursuing this. Um, and that was that was a big thing for me because I felt like I owed my parents a lot. They had invested all, time, money, effort in me, in my life, in all of us. Right. And I felt like I owed them a legitimate career even though they never they never said you, that you owe them it was just never that you no had no for no them and they had for you no and that was the that was the big talk that we had because i was applying for law school and i've told this story yeah. before mm-hmm. and uh and they're the ones who said don't you know if this isn't where your heart is don't do it for us it's not and i'll, I'll never forget my dad specifically saying this is your life not ours and you have to go into whatever you do for a living and love it. And I'd rather you be the, you know, the poorest, happiest person than the most unhappy, successful lawyer. Right. So that was great. Do you surround yourself with those happy people? Or they're like, like you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, I think my wife is that. Yeah. that type of person. Yeah, when I when I envision her, I envision her smiling. I don't know, just something. She's just a good person. You yeah. know, she's just she's fun and she's smart right. and she's nice and she comes from a good family of nice people. Right. We had every we had her whole family out for Thanksgiving this year. How many people is that? 30 people. <laughs> and it was, you know, people just on air mattresses all over the place. And it was I it was funny cuz I did uh, I did this a movie called Dan in Real Life. Right. Which got some of the the gripe about the movie was that no family is like that. Nobody, nobody goes, gets together as a family and puts on talent shows and plays ball in the yard. You know, it's it's this like mythical American thing. fantasy right. that doesn't even exist. That's my wife's family. That's mm-hmm. they they do do talent shows. Mm-hmm. They play games at night mm-hmm. together instead of watching TV. It's um. So yeah, I, it's it's been nice to be around. I gotta, I gotta tell like you, that. when I think about that, the talent shows, I think <clears> about <throat> Amy and David, Amy Sedaris and David Sedaris and Lisa. Like they would put on talent shows too. Mm-hmm. It would be darker and weirder. But there's that family thing that yeah. helps. And and look at those those people and and their points of view and their artistic uh, visions and their artistic outpouring. It you can't help when you when you uh, take care of those those uh, crops that they grow up so stupidly strong. Mm-hmm. And I, and I look at you and I look at your family. Cause I remember years ago, you telling me about that, uh, about how you were supported. And I was thinking, that's what this is all about. Helping each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope I can be that way for my kids because well, don't you think that you are? <clears throat> I, well, it taught me a huge lesson because that having that level of support, um, it, it's so it's, it's selfless, you know, mm-hmm. it is about them. Right. Once they get to a certain point, good, you know, we will, we will help you as best we can, but you have to find your way and right. you have to find what you love. And I think that's really what they were saying. Just find, we made a list of things Who's that you? I, uh, my parents and I, uh-huh. we sat down on a piece of paper at our kitchen table. We just wrote down all the things that I've loved to do my entire life, play hockey, be in plays, you know, all all this kind of stuff I did at school and music and playing instruments. And we just listed them. And like, 
in in a very simplistic way thought of, like looked at each as potential career simplistic choices. or simple um simple right. i mean uh, just a simple way mm-hmm. of looking at your prospects right and what do you like to do? Wait, wait, I'm sorry. Is it your prospects or is it what you want to do? Because it's not your prospects, really. You know well, what I mean? it's both. I think it's tied together. Like, what are you good at doing? What right. do you love to do? Right. What could you make a career out of? Right. You know, what, um, like, logically, I, I'm not going to, I was not going to be a professional goalie. Right. I was a good goalie, mm-hmm. but I wasn't going to play professionally. I love doing it. Do you still do it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just played last night. I don't play goalie anymore, but I still play hockey. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, so things like that kind of fell <laughs> fell away. Right. Um, but I think that was such a good way to go about it, and mm-hmm. and kind of logical, and uh, just kind of get, take a take an easy look at what you enjoy and what you love. And you're kind of and you're kind of you're brainstorming, and you're also yeah. throwing these ideas out, and nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong, which is like goes back to everything that we learned. With improv, nothing. It's not. It's not wrong. There are there. You can make better choices, but none of the choices are. What are better choices? Because if you don't know the choices that you're making, how is it that you're going to be able to compare it to what it is that you you're about to do? I think better choices only in terms of in terms of improv. I don't. I don't know in terms of everything. I I hear the word better and I always have a problem with it. Um, I guess I think of it in terms of, uh, if you're talking about an imp like a a scene, Mm -hmm. um. There are things that I think we learned along the way that guide us toward choices that help the scene, that right. help each other, that help your partner. Right. And those I see as better choices. Right. Choices that aren't like um, so self-serving or gratuitously um, jokey. Right. Um, I love the idea of uh, not being self-serving, to serve the group as yeah. opposed to serve the self. Yeah. I mean, because it's... Because ultimately, it's you know whether it's whether it's a scene or a TV show or a movie or anything, it's only going to be as good as everybody is. In right. it. And just surround yourself with people that understand that concept totally and are selfless and just right. want it to be good. Right. And aren't looking to. I have to say that's one thing that I've seen more and more in movies, especially these days, that can I, I and maybe it's just me. But I see people kind of trying to go for it improvisationally. Right. And like, this is my chance to really stand out. And you see people, especially on set, right. you see people like just going crazy and like just throwing stuff in that has nothing to do with the scene or the character or they're just, they clearly just came up with a bunch of bits that they were going to do. They, they want to stand out. So they're standing out. Right. They think it's, and I get it in the sense that, you know, you, you, you feel like this is your time to shine and right. you really, you want to kill it. But I always like it when people are, can like come in with something great that helps somebody else out. Right. Um, right. I mean, and that's, that's what we learned I, early on. I think about scenes that we've done, uh, uh, and the support that we've all given each other. Look at that. Um, certainly that Maya scene which the conceit of that scene was uh, when you, uh, you and Colbert go to Colbert's hometown uh, where he is not, whoever, he's not Stephen, his name is, is uh, Shirley Wentworth and he's an old <laughs> black woman. And how everybody just supported that scene 100%. Um, I think of the scene, the Beatles scene, where we were coming back from the 
where, where we were all playing the Beatles and we were coming back from just having done the Ed Sullivan show and everybody was fondled but Ringo. And like... <laughs> <laughs> they were at, were we having like, like repressed memory of, of like 13 minutes before? I don't know what happened, but I think... I think he touched me. <laughs> Mr. Sullivan touched me. <laughs> it was all about Ed Sullivan touching the Beatles. <laughs> Except for Ringo. Who came, whose idea was that? Scene? I don't remember. I can't oh. remember. But that's such a typical thing where we don't remember. None of that matters. No, it didn't. It doesn't it, matter. It didn't. Oh, you know, I think it was, I think it was the 40th anniversary of, of the... Uh, something that, it was, everybody got touched and Ringo's like, no, you didn't touch me. <laughs> But all those scenes right there, and so many other scenes as well, where it's not you realize working there that if you are going to if you want if you are going to want to stand out, you're going to fuck the scene up mm -hmm. because you cannot stand out. You could just be part of the whole thing. Yeah. If yeah, I think if that's your well, by the same token, I think if you want to be a star, if you want to be a celebrity, you're that's. That is that is absolutely the wrong approach to anything. Right. It's you know, and maybe and and maybe that works out for some people. But to come at it as anything with those sort of expectations, um, and and with complete lack of interest in actually doing the work, right? Um, sort of wanting the trappings of it as opposed to enjoying the journey, the journey, the process of doing it. Um, I, I just, I think that's sort of ass backwards. I think it's so interesting. And I've talked about it on, on the podcast before the idea of when you look at the end of what it is, when you look at, when you have an expectation of what the end is going to look like, your, it's your ego saying it's going to be doing that, but your ego is going to steer you down the wrong path because you're not looking at the process, what you're getting every step of the way. Right. And then when you're looking at the trappings aren't going to be there. And when they're there, it's not going to look like the way that you want it to look like. Well, try to get try to be become proficient at what you're doing. Yes. I mean, if, if you want to become successful at something, try to get good at it. I mean, that, when I moved to Chicago, I thought, brought well, you to Chicago? I, New York was too intimidating and LA was absolutely out of the question. You're coming from uh, Denison? I, yeah. From Ohio. I, I went to school in Ohio. Right. And, and I thought, I just want to work. I don't care about being discovered, I I knew that it wasn't like a place that you would necessarily be seen. But I knew there was a lot of improv, a lot of comedy, a lot of theater, right. and there was there were a lot of people who were working. And I thought that's what I want to do. I just want to get, I want to get my 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 feet wet. I want to you know, I want to try stuff. Right. I want to do stuff. Do stuff. I want the opportunity to do stuff. I want to be in a black. I want to be in a black box. Uh, I thought on, you were going to say a black exploitation. <laughs> I, you know, how many, how many shows did you do in the backs of bars for two people? Uh, 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 what was the name of, what was the name of that, uh, that cafe, uh, uh, uh not Pergolese. Uh, there was a cafe on Cafe Voltaire. Uh, Voltaire. Yeah. And I was talking to Todd Stashwick about doing a show at Cafe Voltaire where you'd be downstairs and you'd hear the, of some machine upstairs. Yeah. Right. All those things. Yeah. And you, you were happy that again, you know, and which makes you so appreciative when you're at Second City and you have a couple hundred people in the audience every night, right. like, wow. Right. I mean, we've come a long way from, you know, the three people watching us doing sketches at Cafe Voltaire. Right. It, and how many people, and here's another thing, Steve, but how many people were bitter 
at Second City, which I never, ever understood. Um, you know what I mean? Did yeah. you know people like that? Yeah, there were some bitter. There were bitter, people. like like I don't understand what you're being bitter about. I Look don't at know. where, and I loved every stupid day that I was there. Yeah, it was fun. It was I, I don't know. I I think that's more of a, a character trait. Than, I think it is than representative of the place itself. I think some people are just predisposed to that complainy. Yeah, I it's I never enough. That stuff. I just cannot be around that stuff. Do you remember going to the, this is going to sound like a non sequitur because it probably is, because my, my memory is kind of, it's, it's here and there and I'm probably putting a bunch of things together. But I remember going to, to the, we were on the, we were touring and we were at the Daniel Boone Motor Lodge and there were a bunch of women in the cast who didn't want to go there because it was gross. And there was, there was blood on the, the And beds. you and I came in to do our to the room that we were sharing, yeah. and the duvet cover had a big pile of blood, a big blood stain in the middle yeah. of it. Okay, I just want to make sure. No, that, that was true. Okay, I didn't remember it was Daniel Boone, but it was now Daniel I Boone Motor Lodge. will never forget. <laughs> and we called. It's the first time we actually called back to Second City and said, "Please, please let us stay somewhere else." <laughs> and, and they put us up in. Right. I think that's when we all went swimming. We stayed at like a nice Holiday Inn with a pool. Yes. Yes. And we all jumped in the pool that night. Yes. I, I, that wasn't where um, Rubano uh, came out wearing a Speedo and Rubano goes, uh, David, you're wearing a Speedo. David, you Speedo. Yeah. It might have been. It might have been that. It might have been that. Yeah. Because we didn't do that many tours. We were... No. No. Um, you and John you and John got hired, you and Rubano got hired for ETC? Uh, Northwest. 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 Yeah. Northwest. Now there's a duo there to you know to to grab onto somebody and to go that like the, the the people that you work with, and just loving I fucking love watching the scenes that you guys did. You did that scene where you're playing two wise guys out. Oh, oh yeah, hitman. Hitman. Yeah. You've done a couple of the scenes too, um, where you find somebody that you trust and you find somebody that you love working with, and certainly your relationship with Charlie Hartsock too, like that huge relationship there. We hold on to these things, yeah, and they're just so important. Yeah, I mean, there, there were so many different personalities at Second City too, and so many different types of people and different types of actors and different types of improvisers. But, um, but there was that common thread, and again, that's what I felt going back for that reunion was there was this common thread that really um, ran through all of these people, and. Even people that I didn't know very well, mm -hmm. you definitely had a kinship with. And people who had, I'd never met. Joe Flaherty was there. I'd never met Joe Flaherty, but right. I thought, I know you. I know because we come from the same place originally. Right. And it was nice to feel a part of something like that. It was, I was really, I'm very proud to be associated with that place. So proud. And, and to go backstage and, and to have Joe Flaherty there and Catherine O'Hara there. Yeah. And... Um, uh, Tim Kazarinsky there, and uh, oh my God, like like walking through that hallway, and of everybody just sitting there, and 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 Colbert being there, and Amy, and it it was a phenomenal experience. Yeah, it was pretty stunning. Then so much, and apart from all of it, so much fun. Just watching other people go up and do their stuff, you know, right? Pull out their old chestnut scenes that everyone has seen a million times but they're just fun right right um yeah that was 
that, I'm so glad we went. I'm, I'm glad we went. I'm glad. I'm really glad. Because I wasn't going to go and Susie Nakamura talked me into going. And I'm really, really glad that she did. And, uh, and, and I think that they put on a great show. Yeah. Uh, I think Second City put on a great show. I think they really put us up well. I thought that, that flying people out was a great idea. Um, it was a celebration of who it is that we were. And again, this just spreads out into other aspects of my life where... To be, to be inclusive and to feel that you're part of something special and also to make everybody else feel that they're part of something special because it makes my life better. Yeah. Well, and it makes, you know, and you're making other people's lives better too. Right. Because, I, and, and it sounds like what you're doing, you know, when you talk about, and I don't know if you were taping when you first discussed it, but the, you know, to kind of relating it to Buddhism and right. how it, you know, it's so much about caring for other people and caring for the people that you're performing with. And it's, I think, um, it's, it's so much it's rooted in respect and, um, and, 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 and mutual respect. And, uh, I think that that sort of thing carries over into real life when, right. when you, you know, when you care about people on stage, generally speaking, you'll care about them off stage. Right. as well and generally it's hard it's hard to work with somebody if you don't care about them yeah it's hard to create with somebody if you don't care about for them. sure yeah uh and it and it's hard to create with somebody if you if you feel that there's a there's an inequality of respect there mm -hmm. and trust i think you're right you know um are you so are you are you writing now? Uh, my wife and I just wrote a pilot right, for pilot. TBS, mm -hmm. um, and you know, we're just just casually on a couple I of love, other things. I, I I just love watching your your uh, the. It's hard to say because it, it's hard not to to pigeonhole it, but when you did um, in the sunshine. That's, I, I just loved watching that, man. I just, I was like, because I saw you do that show at Victory Gardens, where you did a real, you did a farce once. Oh, was, yeah, yeah. With, um, what, what's her name? Hollis Resnick. Hollis Resnick. Yeah. You did a farce, and I remember going, oh, Steve does plays. Because you were one of the first people that did a play that I knew that, like, I, you, you left Second City for an X amount of time. Did you do that? Yeah. I, I like, left for a show and right. did a play. And watching you do that, because, man, it's like it's so inspiring to see you do that other thing mm. and i just love it have you thought of have you had an opportunity to do broadway shows again no no and with you know i you know i i, I would love to do some live theater again mm -hmm. it's been a, i mean i think the last time was when we did the reunion at second city right um and it's such a different thing and it it's is. such a different feel and performance energy and it's so it's fun you know um but no i haven't had the opportunity is it because it would take well no i would just say it's going to take away from your time with your family but you know that's something that you do all the time well to do i mean to really commit to like a big play what mm -hmm. could be a year or right. two um right so i'm i'm sort of not in that realm right now right but they they were talking about when when they first talked about uh, a second Anchorman, the the original idea was to do it as a Broadway musical, 
And they, they were legitimately considering this. Mm -hmm. um, so Adam McKay and Will Farrell <laughs> contacted us and said, what do you think about, we go to Broadway, we do a Broadway musical, Anchorman 2, and like the Marx Brothers, we sort of work out all sorts of bits while we're doing the stage play. Right. And then we segue that into shooting the movie Anchorman 2. And we were all, sure, let's, you know, we'll, we, we'll, we're on board. We'll work it out. And then they brought it to Paramount. And Paramount said, oh, yeah, no, that's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> not in a million years would they consider doing that. Um, well, I thought it was a neat idea. I thought it would have been fun. I think it's really a fun idea. I love doing stage stuff, but that's what I do mostly. You know, I'm doing mostly stage stuff. And it's interesting to find your bliss, to say, this is what I really enjoy doing. And, and when you were talking about being comfortable, there's something that, that hit me. It's, uh, it's the idea of being uncomfortable with being comfortable. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and there's something in in a way that says I'm inspired by my un uncomfortability mm -hmm. that is driving me towards something else. But the idea of finding something that you love doing and that keeps you in the groove and that keeps you working from one thing to another thing to another thing, I feel blessed in that way. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people are looking at their lives thinking that there has to be, it has to look like this certain thing. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't, I think that that's when you start driving yourself crazy. I think you're right. I think, I think there's a difference between moving on from something because you're searching mm -hmm. um, and moving on because you just want to have another adventure. Um, and I never felt like I was searching necessarily. I just... I always felt like, okay, now, now what else? You know, right? This is really scary. What right. do you? Let's, hey, honey, let's hold hands. We're jumping <laughs> off the cliff. This could be it. This could right, be the end. Right. But right. who knows what's who knows what's on the other side? Who knows what's on the other but side? But it sounds but like what you do too. It's different every time. Yes, you it know, is. it's so you're jumping off the cliff all the time. All the time. And so, All the time. so I, and I completely get that because that's, that's what keeps it fresh and alive and fun. And, um, I don't know. I think it's, I, I don't think it's bad to mix it up and without being pretentious about it either, because when people say, cause I, you know, I've done more comedy than anything else. Right. And then when I do do something that's more dramatic, you know, people will ask, Oh, is this. Is this what you're going to do? Is this oh, right? is this part of your master plan to be considered? It's like I don't care how I'm considered. I'm not. I I don't. I I hope that I'm not like I don't. I don't possess that kind of pretense that I'm. I it's all about how people perceive me, and it's because I'm not really worried about that. It's more. Oh, that's a you know that's a really cool script. Um, it, I know it's not going to make any money. I know like 10 people are going to see it, but I'm going to, I think it would be really interesting to try that. Right. Um, and I don't think there's any, anything wrong with that. And certainly not to engender any sort of different view of who I am. Right. Um, it's, you know, it's just trying something that might not necessarily be in my wheelhouse. That... I love the choices that you made. I think I really love the choices and we're just watching the evolution of, of what it is that you're doing. Uh, I think it's really great. And so you, and the majority of movies that you're doing are from your production company, is that right? Um, so a couple, well, Burt Wonderstone and Crazy Stupid Love are were my production mm -hmm. company. 
and the other ones, uh, Hope Springs recently was, no. that was Actor for Hire, right. Seeking a Friend, Actor for Hire. Uh-huh. Um, so now it's like a mix. I mean, a, some things come out of my productions. Right. Many don't. Are you, are, are you enjoying the time? You must be enjoying the time that you're not working. I mean, you're not, it's, mm. it's like your time is just so important. I'm sorry. Your family time is really, really vital. Yeah. It, oh yeah. I mean, and was that, was that something you, you, you worked towards or was that something that just happened where you went, you know what? I, I'm taking on too many things. Um, when I did, I had like a really big year when the office and 40-Year-Old Virgin and all that stuff sort of happened that one year. Um, and then I, right after that, I got... Were you going crazy at that moment going, what the hell's going on? It, it was sort of... I, I remember when 40-Year-Old Virgin came out and the, the head of, of Universal called me and I was in front of... I'll never forget it. I was in, I was in the front yard on the mobile phone, uh, weeding my front yard, pulling weeds out. Like I was down on my, you know, just, just taking some weeds out. Right. And, uh, and apparently, and I, and at that point I didn't have any idea about box office, what's good, what's bad. I wasn't, I didn't know any websites to go to check. I was like, I don't know. It seemed good. People seemed to like it. I mean, I was very naive (laughs) about it. And I didn't, I also didn't think about the impact. I just thought that was a fun thing to do. Right. And I'll never forget the, um, I, I guess it was Stacy Snyder called me and said, um, this is going to be a big deal for you. And she said, what are you doing right now? I said, oh, I'm weeding my front yard. She said, I don't think you're going to have to weed your front yard <laughs> in, the, in the near future. Um, but the funny thing is, it that did it. It didn't. It wasn't like a huge shift in in my life. It wasn't. It's not like everything changed. No, no. no. Um, but in terms of time, I I like immediately signed on to do Evan Almighty, and right after that, I did Dan in Real Life, I mm-hmm. guess. And so I was gone for six, seven solid months of that year. Mm-hmm. And then I was right back into the office and my kids were tiny. They were, right. they were like one and four. And at that point I said, I, I don't want to be that guy. I'm not, I don't want to be away. I don't, I don't want to, you know, God, at one and four is like puppies. It, they were, t- all the time. they were tiny. Right. And I, I was, my heart was breaking right. and I thought this is not worth it. I'd rather just do what I can do in town and be with them. Right. So I didn't go out of town for like the next, I don't know how many, like seven years. That's great. Eight years. Um, and so I've, I've been pretty guarded that way mm-hmm. about not, I, you know, and I've been lucky to be able to work too, but, but yeah, I mean, ultimately at the end of my life, I'm not going to look back and say, well, thank God I was in, that movie, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be happy that I got to see their, you know, their winter concert. Right. You know, that's, I know those are the things that are going to resonate right? and not, you know, and the work is, I mean, I'm, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so lucky. Um, and I, I, and I, I'm constantly aware of that, but at the same time, I don't, I don't want that to be 
everything. You no. know, it's it, it there's goes, so much more. It, well, what you're talking about is being grateful for what you have and appreciating what you have and being mindful of what it is that you have and living in this moment of the mindfulness and the joy and being with the family. And to look back, you know, it doesn't make any sense to look back. And it doesn't make any sense to look forward either. Yeah. Because right now, I'm the, when you said your kids were one and four, I was thinking, oh my God, those are two awesome numbers for human beings to be alive. And for you to miss any of that because you were, somebody was talking about, let's do another take of this thing. Yeah, I mean, is is Evan Almighty worth four months of my child's life? I don't think so. <laughs> no, um, no. And it no. was miserable. You know, right. it's I, I and you're away and you can't get back and you right. feel detached and disconnected. And it's but you know what? It, but even hearing myself say that, like, oh, poor you. Shut up. You know, well, you, but, you're but, the, the lead in a movie. I like, get that. Too. What a asshole but we all have to work right and we all get to work we all right. get to work and that idea of doing because again it's what are the priorities that we're not priorities yeah what are our priorities right and your priority is with the love of your family your priority is with the support that you get from that right. that's where it is and it's just comparing not comparing it but it's just looking at those things and saying it's finding the balance of it exactly it's 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 understanding that what you know because on the other hand i mean in terms of kids i think so many people make their lives completely about their children, mm -hmm. which I don't think is fair to the children because then kids start to believe that the world revolves around them. Mm -hmm. And that's no way to grow up either. Right. I mean, there's, I, I, th I think you're doing them a disservice that way. I think it's good for parents to have vocations and interests, jobs, you know, things that are things that complete them as a person. Oh, boy, did that sound pretentious, but things that it's true though. things that things that make you, ultimately make you better parents, better parents, because they, you're, you're happier because you've got all the, the you have stuff that's, that's fulfilling you. Right. That's, 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 you know, um, I don't know. I, I, I think you get what I'm trying to say. No, it, I totally understand that. But I, but at the same time, you know, there is that balance you want to, I want to be there, you know? I want to be around. I don't want to miss stuff. No. And the idea of <clears throat> seeing them at some performance instead of wherever it is else that you're going to be, that just seems like there's this Jewish word called nachis, and you get this joy out of just being in that moment. The Swedish word is like, you get joy out of it, of, just, of seeing your you, you seeing someone that you love do something fantastic, yeah. or to make a, a choice that or to say something beautiful or to connect with somebody in some wonderful way and for you to see that exchange that interchange and it must be hard for you also because you can't do what it is that your folks would do which is we're going to go to the mall not that your folks went to the mall but oh yeah we do that stuff you do do that all the time yeah I'm so glad to hear that i'm so glad yeah I'm nobody so i don't believe me i don't cause a stir at all i'm so glad to hear that because i was thinking that you would i am not a big deal <laughs> real, real. that's really great so you you're able to i mean that's good that's oh no good. that's, that's good. yeah that's we yeah we're we go all over the place uh -huh. at, and it's not that's that way you know i i i feel badly for people who who don't feel like they can do that right you know? um, well i know that nia and ian and Alaria, i know that those guys go out a lot and i also know that they have they know how to, they know what to do and where to go and 
I'm not, if I'm making any sense at all, like to make these experiences less of a hassle. I know? think I tend to blend in too. I'm not, mm -hmm. I don't, I, I don't stand out in any way. Mm -hmm. I, I, I look like I'm at the mall. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look like I go to the mall a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, as is witnessed by my J. Crew shirt and my you've Banana Republic. You've never changed. You know, that was, no, that's, I mean, that's, that's what I wear. That's um, what you wear. That's exactly what you wear. Um, no, it's the weird part for them, for like kids, is when, I'll never forget, like when uh, 40 Year Virgin or posters start going up right. in the city and it's your Steve, face. those posters were all over the place. All over the place. And the kids are... That's what this is before they sort of understood what I did for a living. And they'd see dad like splashed on these huge signs and they kind of didn't understand. They didn't really get that, no. but it wasn't scary. It was just like, Oh yeah, I get dad's on the sign, but it's again, it's not, we put no value on it right. at all right. at home. It's not, right. it's just what I do. It's right. not like a thing. It's not, it's not any, there's no special dispensation in any way for me, for them. It's, you know, it's just a job. Right. So. Right. Okay, good. Well, let's stop there. It's been just a blast talking. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. If you'd like to see one of Dave's improv shows or one of my stand-up shows, you can get that information at addcomedy.com. If you want to take a class with Dave, that information is located on his website at davidrozowski.com. You can also follow Dave on Twitter at drozowski. Today's episode was sponsored by Troubadour, a restaurant movie. A new movie by Group Mind Films, portraying an accurate, sometimes funny, and sometimes cringe-inducing glimpse at restaurant life. Troubadour, a restaurant movie. Available to watch in its entirety online for only $5 at groupmindfilms.com.